Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. It is the Mike Abadir Show. I am Gino Bocola. It is September the 26th, 2019, and Mike Abadir sitting next to me like always. Mike, I mean, where are we going to start? We have the MLB playoffs next week. They begin on October the 1st. How about something that people aren't even thinking about right now? NBA training camp. The Lakers have a game on October the 5th, a preseason game. We got Belmont, Keeneland, Santa Anita, big races, Breeders' Cup preps. Football in full swing, college football rolling along. Hey, hockey's just getting ready to start, too. I was just going to say, and hockey also. I know you want to talk about WWE moving over to Fox next week. They're going to be back on network television. And so they're going to be a lot of times where Joe Buck and Aikman have to give the uh, plugs for WWE SmackDown, which I love. We've already seen wrestlers showing up at games and in in some of the the sets in the pregame and postgame shows. So... Man. Yeah, actually, we saw some of the Niner guys. Uh, yeah, they were at the Raw the other day. They were at Raw the other night. Yeah, so wh- where do we start, Mike? This this is there are the two times a year. Like, it's fun when we have a one uh, a show just once a week because it feels like we have so much to talk about. We can talk for hours and hours just covering all sports. But this time of the year, and then I think it's that like April May ish time of the year where it really feels like there's a lot going on. And I think I like this time uh, even more because there's just everything. That's going on in a week or two. You literally can sit down and watch almost every sport that you're a fan of. I think you got to start with baseball just because. Oh, yeah. The the heat is on. And it's really interesting, too, because a team that we were both really high on, the St. Louis Cardinals, finally kicked it into gear and is playing lights out baseball. But a team that we weren't very high on coming into the season, the Brewers, is giving them a run for their money. Mm -hmm. They are just a game back after their win today, I believe. Brewers have not they haven't lost since Yelich gone down basically. It is yeah. you know everybody kind of wrote them off. Um Yeah, I had Cubs, to do a double take though. I'm like a game behind? The Cubs really spiraled. And a lot of a lot of discussion in baseball now is perhaps like a blow up of that Cubs group that just a few years ago all the discussion was how many how many World Series is this group of, of players going to win? And I mean, it's interesting. As a, as a I haven't fan, seen anything like this since the Red Sox chicken in the clubhouse situation. Yeah, it's which really ultimately weird. was the demise for Francona, right? But I mean, I mean everything they were doing a, was at this was time of year. How do you lose eight in a row with with those veterans, the World Series champs, and Madden? I mean, and the they Madden, all the good positive energy that they brought in, always dressing up in these goofy costumes and having fun. They seemed like everything was was going great there uh, for the last couple of years, and then. I don't really know what happens, but you win one and then it just proves, I guess it shows you too. like, look at the, both of the teams that we root for, for example, um, look how hard it is to put victories back to back in that the Red Sox had this amazing year last year and they can't replicate it. And the Dodgers who have been there every year of the last seven, they still haven't won one. 
it just shows you how how difficult it is in baseball to win one. It's just such a marathon. It, it really it's, is. It, it's it's such a slug, and it just takes so much out of you when you play every single game for a year, and you play you know an entire postseason at a high level. Your pitchers throw more innings than they ever have. Your your hitters are in bigger situations, and it's just kind of hard to replicate that energy again when you get back into the regular season. Yeah, but you just said it, man. The Dodgers have done it. The Dodgers no, have yeah. won the division, what, seven years in a row? Now? But they still eight, haven't been able to win the big one. The only thing that makes me feel still as like a fan, whereas I get a little upset when when fans, like uh, the Dodger fans are like, man, we're disappointed. Or when anyone says like things like, oh, well, the Dodgers choke in the playoffs. When have the Dodgers lost to a team in the playoffs that they like wasn't a good team or a team that they should have beat? They lost in in the World Series two years in a row to the Red Sox and then in Game Seven to the Astros. Those you know what I think really hurt them teams. was there was a year where the uh, Cardinals barely yeah. got in and they went on that just crazy run. Yeah, and but they I think that, that people that didn't one. forgive you know Kershaw and they didn't forgive. Definitely, uh, Mattingly and the Dodgers in general. I just don't know. Or, what this was, was it Mattingly then, or was that? Yeah, um, it was, well, now it's been was, Roberts for the last two the World Series runs. Now, really sure, but and, I mean, dating back to then, I think that kind no, of that was Mattingly. That, that was, was the stigma was that they just weren't a good postseason team, which because which they funny. lost to this team that was on a historic, ridiculous run, yeah. and that was at the peak of Pujols. So I, I mean, mean you, you look at all the teams they lost to. I don't think they ever lost to a team like that they were just supposed to beat ever. I mean, they, they lost team to a team maybe the only one that I can think of. Me too. They, but they, I mean, that was that's, remember that was like Michael Waka Waka Waka. I yeah, mean, you know, was, like all of that stuff was that year. I mean, the Cardinals probably were a lot better than the record suggested. Sure, and they were a lot better than the fact that they had to back in. But to the historically, playoffs, they were one know? of the worst teams. Yeah, that that ended up getting in and winning. Uh, but I, yeah, I just um, so for me, it's like I look. And I look and it's like, so as a Dodger fan, I'm I'm already supposed to now be so like overconfident and so like, I guess, I don't know, spoiled or whatever the, the word is, is that I'm supposed to think right now that the Dodgers are automatically going to make it to the World Series. And if they don't win, this is a disappointing year because they lose to the Astros or the Yankees again. I mean, you know what I mean? Like a, another. Well, really well what if team. what if they don't get there? I think you'd have That's, to admit that would that, be a no, disappointment. No. And, you're, I, and I'd say. They sh- they should should be there again. It's it's not even the getting there. It's just the man. It's already like people are already saying. Well, if you don't win it, it's a disappointing year. Oh, I mean, you I know, there are, there are other teams that are also trying to win the World Series that are pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree that you have to win it all. I just to uh, solidify your you know standing I, as a good ball club. Yeah, it, it's going Look to at be the Braves. Good. The Braves for fifteen years were postseason. Contestants, Regular. you know, and and they were only able to get that one. I mean, how do you only get one World Series win when you have three Hall of Fame pitchers and Hall of Fame hitters too? You know, Chipper and and batting title guys, with Terry Pendleton. I mean, there are on just, and on and on. I mean, you just forget um, when I mean, it happens every year. It's like the regular season of baseball just kind of lulls you in to. Um, believing the game is a little bit different, and then when the playoffs start, how intense it is and how. There are just so many variables in baseball, you know, like how many different things can happen over the course of a nine inning game to to change a run or to alter the momentum a little bit. And it seems like even m- way more than in any sport. I mean, you can feel like you're beat, you're you've got the game under wraps and it's one nothing, you know, and all this, <laughs> or two nothing. And then 
three batters later, the entire thing changes. But isn't that uh, funny, by the way, that with all the major sports, once you get to the postseason, all of in every one of those sports, the postseason plays out a little bit differently, right? And I'll just quickly, like, you know, give references. Like in baseball, it's more about moving the runner over and stealing bases and, and doing th- a lot of the things that you maybe don't necessarily focus on in the regular season because you're just trying to get there. Like in football, it's more about, you know, your running game and your and your mm-hmm. defense. All control. And in basketball, and you know, it's defense. And, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, a different, it's a different game. They're even officiated differently. It's just kind of funny. might even be the most intense of all of the sports when it comes to the playoffs. Just from like a pure intensity perspective. I think of all of them, the ones that seem like they, they maybe pick the, like, I guess, change the most or they feel the most different. For me, at least as a fan, the, and being the last six or seven years with the Dodgers success, it's baseball because it's like when I'm watching a regular season baseball game compared to a playoff baseball game, I mean, like I said, I can't go somewhere and watch these Dodger games with other people. I get too nervous. Now like, I'm literally hanging on every pitch. I'm like, just got to sit in my little spot and not move. And it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's really fun and it's different than completely different than when you're just that how laid back a regular season baseball game yeah. is. Yeah, I think the one thing, and I wouldn't even say it's a concern, but I mean, I could see it maybe playing out just because postseason games typically are lower scoring and stuff, is that maybe they don't have that pinch runner that can come in and pull what their manager did in the postseason 15 years ago for the Red Sox, right? Mm-hmm. You put him in there, could swipe second, could swipe third scored that run just almost cheap, if that's the right word. You know, a sack fly and bring him in and boom, you're tied or you've taken the lead. And I thought that that move was pretty smart by the Braves to bring in a Billy Hamilton. That that could win win you a game. Sure. In the postseason. So I think the Dodgers, though, they've got power up and down their lineup and with their bench. So what you don't have with your feet you have with the sticks because most teams, when you're talking about pinch hitters that come off the bench, you know, you're, you're hoping for a single, right? Just a pinch, you know, now with the Dodgers and, and, and other teams that have got, got these mashers on the bench, you know, left-handed hitters, right-handed hitters, there's no more balanced power lineup than the Dodgers, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, you can match I- up against the lefty, you can match up against righty, situational hitting, no problem. That's where... You know, where to me, that's where they make their they earn their bucks, and we'll see if they've able to make they've made the adjustment from the postseason last year to the regular season this year. Now, will will that carry over into the postseason again when things tighten up? Because you know what happens. It's different in the regular season. You can kind of stick to your guns a little bit more because you have such a big sample size. Like you can struggle for a couple games, but you still kind of want to continue to do the same thing. In the postseason, you can have your game plan. This is what I want to do. I'm going to stay uh, small. I'm going to just try to go opposite field. I'm not going to open up my swing too much. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 0 for 3. And then all of a sudden you're 0 for 5 and throughout two games you haven't got a hit. And then what starts to creep into your head, you know, that's what happens in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. And then you, you revert back to your bad habits. And so we saw this year guys like Cody Bellinger completely alter kind of his, his approach, you know, and that in, in, an, in a strange way, it helped him hit more home runs just because he wasn't trying to hit as many home runs. Yeah. He just tried to go with the ball. He just tried to, to play smart. Um, we've seen Jock Peterson even do that a little bit more. 
this year. Um, so we'll see. It, it, I like that they've made they've made their approach different. But even in some of the series, like against the Yankees, when they struggled a little bit, that's when they kind of reverted back. You saw Bellinger chasing some bad ones. You saw them maybe get a little undisciplined. So we'll see. Once the pressure's on, um, you know, things things definitely get a, a little bit different. And yeah, and I and think the National League's not ball, a, a like cakewalk where, either. No, 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 definitely not at all. I mean, the arms that they've got, legit, legit. You know, a couple of number ones. Um, you know, I've heard some talk about. You know, what would you do if you're the Nationals, whether you go with Scherzer? I don't know if I trust Steven Strasburg in an elimination winner. No, you have to game. go with Scherzer. You, you can't know, worry so about setting anything go. up farther exactly. than that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, just in closing with the Dodgers, it seems pretty evident to me and to you, I'm sure, as, uh, as, as it does to most Dodger fans, that right now Roberts has this luxury of being able to kind of inst- – like without us necessarily knowing exactly what he's going to decide to do, he's probably installing the game plan um, in his mind and just kind of testing it out right now. You know, even with Maeda, you know, wrapping things up for the team today, uh, you know, Rich Hill getting a couple of strong innings, uh, three, five Ks looked really sharp. I thought, even though he had a few walks, I thought he did really well the other day. May was got himself nice little, like, got a little double too, which was, which was kind of nice. Yeah. But I guess what, what I'm trying to say though, is he's really been able to use this month wisely. Yep. You know, and Trial. keeping everybody sharp, but also trying different things that he's, that we're probably going to see in the postseason. We just don't know which one of them because they have a embarrassment of riches to be very candid with you you know, uh, in all phases of the game. So to me, they're clearly the team to beat. And I think how we got to this point in the conversation was kind of talking about the Cubs. And just a, a, a final thought on that is there's a lot of correlations between them and the Red Sox. And I'm not talking about like the Theo Epstein type stuff between the two organizations and franchises dating back the last few years. This year, I think both teams made similar mistakes. They went in overestimating the quality of their pitching staffs Mm -hmm. and they went in highly overestimating their ability to win without a bonafide closer. Yep. And it's funny because the Cubs then, you know, made the adjustment, right. By going out and getting Kimbrell, but he was terrible this year. He made the Red Sox look good for not pursuing him. And who knows, maybe that's because he didn't get a spring training in because he's not old. He's still 31. So, I mean, he should have some more game left. I would think, but, you know, these closers, they expire pretty early. So, I don't know. But um, that was and, just my last thought on the Cubs and, and the Red Sox was that's exactly, just overestimation. That's what a lot of uh, people were upset about the Dodgers for not making a move. And I don't know if you saw what happened with the pit closer recently. He was uh, involved in some really, really shady stuff. And he's going to be probably not playing baseball for a while. Really bad stuff. Uh, and, and then the other ones that made moves, some of them were just bad. So, you know, people get mad at the Dodgers and they said, oh, they didn't, they didn't go all in and make a move this year. Well, which we talked about it before the trade deadline. None of these moves look like they stuff, were. We're talking like behind bars kind of bad game, stuff. <laughs> yeah, bad stuff. Like with kids, like pedophile stuff, like really, really bad. And, you know, so we we talked about this at the trade line. None of these players looked like they were game changers. No. They were some relievers that could maybe help your pen. The Dodgers, we'll see if they'll help in the playoffs. They got more that they were able to bring up from the minors in Gonsolin in May than they would have gotten in any trade. Those are their best moves. Yeah. By far. You know what I was chuckling about the other day, by the way, was uh, just kind of seeing 
the, the quality job that uh, Pomeranz is doing for the Brewers, and I had to laugh <laughs> because funny. I remember when we had uh, when we had Melissa Lockhart on, you know, and I was like, you know, what's up with the you know the Giants not making any moves? And she's like, well, they did trade Drew Pomeranz. I'm like, no, I'm talking about making real moves. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And I totally underestimated, he, but he's delivered, man. Yeah, I don't, yeah. dude. Council is is a wizard. I don't know if you know uh, how else to describe him. The, what they've done over there in Milwaukee is is nothing short of just genius management of that team. So I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for them to uh, go as far as uh, as they as they can. But ultimately, as a baseball fan, I want to see the best World Series. And to me, I kind of want to see Dodgers Yankees. And I, I hate even uttering the the word yeah. Yankees out of my mouth because of the the uh, historic implications. But I think the Astros are a better team than the Yankees, I, and I'd love to see the rematch. So there it is. Either one's good for me. And quietly, the Dodgers have actually uh, snuck back up, and they're a game ahead of the Yankees right now, um, which the Yankees for most of the season and, and most of the last couple months were about a game or two ahead of the Dodgers. So now the Dodgers are a game, uh, I think, like two behind Houston. It looks like Houston will probably wrap up the number one, like the best record overall. But in the next couple of games, just keep an eye on that because if it does end up being Yankees, Dodgers, that one or two games could be very, very huge. Now, do you have any uh, idea? Uh, you probably do as a Dodger fan. Where, where, how do the tiebreakers uh, shape out between those three teams? You know what? I haven't looked into it yet. I gotta, no, I got to look into that. I, I really haven't. Yeah. You know, okay. No, not not positive. So yeah, yeah. We'll, no, that I mean that's we'll a fantastic in. race in of itself too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about teams with 102, 103, and 104 wins. So um, they're all right there, and anything could happen this weekend. And and who knows? Maybe some teams are looking at it like, you know what? We need to save our arms, or else that seventh game in the last game of the year won't even arrive. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have to get there. So um, who knows how teams approach it? But Dodgers to me look like they're still they're still trying to win. So. We'll see how it shapes out, Gino. Let's take our first commercial break and come back and talk some football with Mr. Football, Mr. Baseball, Mr. Everything, Josh Booty. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I guess we'll have to do uh, give our predictions, I guess, for the, for the full playoffs next week. Because when we record our show, the, it'll be the first day of the actual series, the division series. I think the wild card games are played on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the division series, I think, start on Thursday. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably going to be in the middle of game three then when we do our show. If they're going to do a, a Thursday double, a triple I th- header. I think the Dodger game, I'm expecting that the Dodgers will probably play at five that day if they, if they play. Uh, if they play that day, they probably uh, so will be leading, leading so right, into, be right into it. Yeah. Hey, so you we'll know, we, when we, during the break, we were quickly kind of talking about some of our um, predictions for the uh, postseason and the award winners and so on and so forth. And you'd brought up the uh, NL Cy Young race with Flaherty just pitching lights out, especially in the second half of this season. But I want to get your thoughts on Ryu. I mean, can you win the Cy Young for being the best in the world for two-thirds of the season? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's tough because, I mean, he was really, really good. So you knew the numbers were going to come back to life a little bit. And he has had a couple good games, um, big games throughout down the stretch now, kind of bounced back a little bit. So I still think, I mean, obviously I'm I'm a little a little biased. The the problem is, is the Dodgers have such a good team and like right off the bat, like Kershaw had a really good year that kind of like flew under the radar. Bueller's having a really good year. They had three starters uh, on their pitching staff. So I don't know, like if, if we look at it and go like, did Ryu carry the Dodgers at all? Or was, I mean, maybe I still think he deserves to be right there in the conversation. And I don't know. DeGrom was really good. I had DeGrom again on my fantasy team. I, maybe we just expect a little bit too much from him. But it, it, I guess it was just kind of a boring year for, for DeGrom to me. The Mets were just kind of ho-hum. They're okay. They weren't ended up being very bad. They kind of had a nice little run late. And DeGrom's been excellent the second half. I would see. Like, no, but I'd rather I, but no, but you're Flaherty. right, man. I think I'd overall those Flaherty. guys are, are, are letdowns. Yeah, like I, I prefer someone like Flaherty who has been monster second half, and he's the reason why the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs now. Like he's a yes, he might he's be the team. reason because he's literally given them a W every time he's gone out there. No, no, no doubt about it. I agree with you hundred percent. And the thing with Ryu also, I mean, how on that team do you only have thirteen wins, and he only has one hundred and fifty six Ks. It's obviously the ERA is microscopic. Yeah, and the war not, is, is is obviously right there. Yeah, because he just. But how do you only have thirteen wins? And I know there there are some that 
aren't valuing wins the way we kind of used to back in the day. But I mean, if we're if we were if we're talking about twenty games being the benchmark for a Cy Young winner in the past, I mean, how do you go to thirteen? I know King Felix had, had like twelve or thirteen a few years ago, but still, I think he had at least three or four blown. They, man, you know, the Dodgers have had have really struggled with that throughout the year. Sure. Kenley, Kenley had blown, I think, eight or nine saves throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there were at least, um, mul- there were multiple. So you're games saying he should years. probably be more like 15, yeah. 16 yes. game winner. And yeah, that's, that's yeah, probably fair enough. And, and so, and that's not a big difference, but that's enough to not make you look at it and, and just kind of make the argument that you made, right? Just sure, that sure. it looks, it looks a little lower than it should. So I, those are a couple things that were kind of out of his um, control, but yeah, I mean, he, he like I don't think he's in. He should definitely be it. I think there's there's actually a conversation now. And a month ago, month and a half ago, there really wasn't. It was it looked like it was Ryu hands down. I mean, he's he was no doubt the best. And what's actually when you look at his numbers, he really did it. Like going back to last year, and, and it was over a pretty bit like long sustained period of time. Yeah, um, like a year like sample but i think he just got a little bit tired this year and it's like anything you just you set such a high bar for yourself that that any things are bound to go a little bit wrong and anything you do it it just isn't quite as good so all i hope now is that these guys are like you, you said the dodgers have had the luxury of being able to kind of throw them every six days skip a start here and just hope that these guys are fresh going into the playoffs Sure. And and one last thing about the uh, NL Cy Young race before we get to our next guest is uh, I thought Luis Castillo for the Cincinnati Reds um, was was really putting together a Cy Young type of campaign. He's hit some road bumps. Obviously, you don't get a lot of attention in Cincinnati, particularly when you're not winning. But man, that guy's got some wicked stuff, man. I'm, I'm really high on Luis Castillo. He was one of the reasons why I thought that the Reds going into this year would have a top five pitching staff and um you know he's he's definitely delivered uh but some of these other guys with a lot of the win totals you know i don't think they're gonna well i definitely know like max freed with 17 wins he's not gonna get very many cy young votes his era is just way too high he's been wildly inconsistent he's been the beneficiary of a lot of eight nine ten run games from their um from you know a pretty underrated offense when we're talking about the atlanta braves but We'll get to more baseball, and like you mentioned, because next week the playoffs will be kicked off already, um, we'll make our predictions, but they'll have to be on the honor system. We'll, we'll do. We'll exchange our picks with each other on Wednesday. How does that sound, Gino? Yeah, we could tweet them out either way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go, and then we'll talk about them. So, anyways, let's shift gears and talk some football and maybe even a little baseball as well with friend of the show, Josh Booty. Josh. Good afternoon. How are you, my friend? Hey, Josh, Mike and Gino. Man, I'm doing good, Mike and Gino. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. And uh, always a pleasure to be talking sports with you boys. Man, I miss you, brother. Uh, me too, man. Where are you at? Where are you at? Are you in Southern California? Or are you yeah, running man. around in Arizona? Uh, I know you're all over the place. Yeah, no, and, and, and pretty situated here in L.A., man. So we're going to have to get together, maybe go to an SC game or something, even though... Well, let's, uh, let's start Let's start right there. Before <laughs> yeah, we I think that's a good starting else. point. Because Jump in, Gino. Gino's a huge SC guy, so, um, yeah. you know, he knows and, he knows this roster inside out, and his sister works over there and stuff. So I, I'm going to sit back and listen to you guys talk some SC football. Well, there's been a lot <laughs> of negative going on and negativity, and obviously, uh, 
people still are the jury's out on, on Clay Helton. But really, I'm I'm sure. most impressed this year with what we've seen from Graham Harrell because USC's mm-hmm. been able to win three games so far this year with three different quarterbacks taking the bulk of the snaps in each of those games. They got a, a tough one coming up, but even the fact that they're three and one right now, they they very easily could have been one and three with as tough of their of their schedule. They still got Washington and Notre Dame coming up. But overall, mm-hmm. what have you thought about SC and the quarterback situation and what we've seen from Harold so far to get these guys ready? Well, I think he's doing a good job, just like you said. I, you know, for them to be sitting where they're sitting with one loss uh, going up to Washington this week, which will be a tough assignment, just because Washington's got such a good offense and defensive line. I think that's where they match up well against SC now. SC's got three of the best receivers in college football when you can spread them out, and that's what Graham Harrell is known for is a spread offense, Texas Tech, and throwing the football. And SC looks like they're they're doing a really good job of that. And and no matter who's in there at the quarterback position, whoever's whoever's playing quarterback at SC is a qualified individual. I mean, over the last 20 years, there's no school that's had a better group of quarterbacks come through there. Uh, and, and, you know, a testament to, you know, of course, Pete Carroll, uh, Sarkeesian, Kiffin, uh, you know, Norm Chow back in the day, now Clay Helton, Graham Harrell, uh, T. Martin has worked closely with some of the QBs over the last few years. It's just, you know, there, it's, it's a great place to go. And you know you're going to have athletes around you, and you know whether whether JT Daniels is in there or Matt Fink or uh, Keaton Slovis. It, it looks like the the offense can move the football, and that's just because they they recruit great players every year too. So they're going to get a top five quarterback in the country pretty much every year, every other year, and uh, they've got a bunch of guys in that quarterback room. You know, will maybe potentially play on Sunday. So you know whoever's in there. You know they're gonna they're gonna be able to play the position and, and and play it correctly and make a lot of good decisions and they they could throw the ball. I, I like what I've I like what I've seen out of Slovis and and Fink last week, uh, and I watch them close too. It, it's fun to watch them throw the ball around in in that spread offense. And uh, it's funny. A few years ago, looked like USC was thinking about giving the job of uh, head coach to Coach Ed Orgeron, and they decided to pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, Orgeron <laughs> ends up going down to LSU. They have one of the best teams in the nations. And, and right now, when we talk about quarterbacks, they sure have a kid that can throw the football down there right now. This LSU team is good. It, it's no surprise to see LSU good. But this team just is a little different with the way they score the ball. Uh, how are things yeah. down there with this LSU football team? Well, man, I'm, of course, close to the program. I have, uh, you know, I, I cover LSU. uh have I have two radio shows a week. I, I do their podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. So, man, I'm I'm at you know several of their games. I was at the Texas game in Austin, which was a dandy a few weeks ago, and and it just looks like Burrow, who's our quarterback for the the people that are listening, uh, is super comfortable. I mean, he's a hundred out of 124. He's thrown 18 touchdowns and two picks. He's completing over 80 percent of his balls, which is first in the country in completion percentage, and I think that's the real difference is they went to the spread. Orgeron's not a spread guy, but he he knows for them to get to the next level, he had to do something. We we weren't going to be good in the eye formation, playing from behind, and three yards in a cloud of dust against Alabama and these teams that are starting to really throw the football in the SEC. And last year, well, actually the last three years, uh, we've scored 10 points total in three games against Alabama. So the fans were were really pushing. The media was really pushing for us to open it up. We've always got great talent and receivers and 
and uh, you know a lot of six two, six three, six four guys that can catch the football and run like the wind. Uh, guys that make the NFL, uh, you know, and make or impact players in the NFL, and you don't even really hear about them until they get to the NFL because we we hadn't known how to throw the football. That wasn't the culture at LSU. So to make a long story short, we brought in a guy named Joe Brady who worked for. Uh, under Sean Payton last year in New Orleans. And he's teamed with Steve Ensminger, who was our offensive coordinator from a year ago, and they put together a spread offense. And Joe Burrow, who is our quarterback now, has had so much success the first four games of this year, ran, ran the spread in high school. Uh, he he ran he, he was a backup at Ohio State under Urban Meyer for three years, running the RPO in the spread. And now LSU goes to the spread. So he's very, very comfortable in this style of offense, and it suits him. It fits him. He believes in it. He's confident. He's got player, great players around him, and now the offense is taking off. You know, it's interesting. You guys are talking about, you know, the high-flying offense at LSU and Joe Burrow, and I, I was kind of taking a, a deeper look into the numbers, and, man, he's mm-hmm. – I mean – he ranks second nationally with 380 passing yards a game. You already mentioned his 80 percentage uh, completion percentage, 80 percent or above. He's on pace for 51 touchdowns. You know, he's a really legit mm-hmm. Heisman candidate. And I was actually mm-hmm. shocked to to kind of go back and look to see when when the last time LSU had a Heisman winner it was Never. Billy Cannon back in the 50s, <laughs> yeah. who uh, unfortunately recently passed away not that long ago, but he led the team to the national mm-hmm. championship. Wouldn't that be something, though, if he uh, kind of replicates that national championship and Heisman in the same season? Yeah, there, you know, there's there's a lot of good things going on uh, around him and the program. I mean, we scored in the first four games, we scored 231 points, which is uh, which is the most in in the in in the first four games of a season by any SEC school ever. So, I mean, we're scoring points at a crazy rate against Vanderbilt last week. Uh, our first seven touchdown drives were less than two minutes and 11 seconds, none of which drives were over that. I mean, so we're scoring at a record pace. I mean, it's crazy to watch with all of our athletes on the field at the same time and him distributing the ball. We can also run it. He throws a lot of screens. He he gets the ball out. He doesn't take a lot of hits. Joe is also mobile enough to run it if he has to. I mean, he's a legitimate Heisman candidate in this offense with all these players. And and as a quarterback, you're only as good as the players around you. But when when you're putting up numbers like this, six touchdowns versus Mandy, he threw for 357 yards in the first half last week. I mean, that's just that's some that's some awesome stuff. And and so everybody's starting to believe that LSU not only has a chance to win each and every week and play against Bama and score points now, but also they, they believe in things, good things happening for its players and Burroughs potentially going to be in that Heisman race. It's, it's really going to come down to several games. I think we play Florida coming up in two weeks, three weeks. We play Auburn uh, in three or four weeks. And then we play Bama in five or six weeks in November. So, I mean, we've got a tough, tough road ahead and he's got to play big in those games. Yeah. And I was just going to ask you about that. You know that tough part of the schedule there, you know, kind of uh, being prognosticator. And I know you you you've got some obviously love for the team, but you're around the team also. And mm-hmm. so I think uh, you've got the ability to be a little bit objective here and kind of take a look at things. How do they match up with Florida? How do they match up with Auburn? Yeah. And you know, can they go into uh, Alabama and win? Yeah, I think uh, you know it, 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 the advantage is us against Florida. Um, of course, they they lost their their starter. 
Uh, it's in three weeks. We play you. We, we're off this week. We play Utah State and a good quarterback next week in Jordan Love. But Utah State doesn't have the players to, I think, beat LSU or to upset LSU at home. We play Florida at home the week after. Florida with its backup quarterback. I don't think they have a a real good chance to beat us. I think that line's going to be a double-digit line when it comes out in Vegas, and I would think that we're going to handle our business. Florida beat us last year in in uh, Gainesville, so uh, it's payback time, and LSU's, like I said, I mean, I think there's there's more positive things going on this year than, than, than probably in the last 10 years and around the, the, the school and the, and the program, so I think we'll be excited. That'll be our first big, big game at home this year. And, uh, you know, it being at home, I, I like us. Uh, then we go on the road and play Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a little down this year. Offensively, they're really down. Then Auburn comes to LSU. And because we've got Auburn at home as well, I think we put up enough points to beat Auburn. And then we go on the road two weeks after and play Bama. And I think we're going to be undefeated when we go to Bama. And, of course, game day will be there if that happens because Bama's not going to lose before then as well, I don't think, and uh, you know, barring some miracle. But, I think Bama probably handles us in Tuscaloosa. That's just my opinion. I think it'll be a, a low-scoring game. I mean, a high-scoring game, but I think it'll be a close game. And I think Bama will beat us. Um, I, I really do. And, and, you know, I'd love to see us compete at a very, very high level. They beat us eight times in a row, and they get us in Tuscaloosa. That's a that's a very hard one to uh, to think that we can, we, we can win. I wouldn't bet my life that we would win. I promise you that. And then and then, you know, but if we play him close on the road and Bama goes to win the rest of its games, we can potentially play, uh, you know, in a playoff because if we play him close, they win by a field goal or less than a touchdown and Bama runs the tables, they're going to say, well, shoot, our only loss is on the road to Bama in a very, very tight game. So I think it's very, very critical that we play a close game if we don't win. That's a great point. And that might be the, uh, the Heisman Bowl too, right? Tua, Tua yeah. and Joe going at it head to head. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, two has been unbelievable. I mean, him and Burrow are neck and neck in all the the passer rating stuff and touchdown stuff. And I mean, uh, there's a couple other quarterbacks out there that are having heck, you know, having some unbelievable years like Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. But for the most part, in the SEC, it's Burrow and and uh, Tua. Josh, this segment is just flowing by. I can't believe it's been uh, just about a 20 minute segment here that we've kind of zipped through. Uh, you have any any uh, plugs anything that you're working on that you want to quickly mention uh obviously we'll retweet all, uh, all your affiliations and how people can follow you on twitter or whatnot but uh you know kind of quickly fill us in on what you've been up to sure man I'm, i do a whole lot I, I would i would like to to talk a little bit about the podcast i guess on believe network it's b-l-e-a-v podcast network it's out of l-a as well I, I host the LSU show, the SEC show for uh, the LSU Tigers with Rachel Barbeau, and she does a good job as well. She she's one of the Heisman voters and and uh, is a very very knowledgeable uh, uh, female in the business. Uh, she covers the national championship. We do a show every week. I also do my own radio shows, but if you're going to follow me, it's at Josh Booty Ten on all social media. And uh, you know, I I work with tons of different products. Too many to probably name right now, but. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm super fired up about this LSU team. Of course, we've been talking about it for the last 15 or 20 minutes, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in love with college football. I'm in love with the NFL. I love this time of year, Mike, you know, it, uh, eat, sleep and breathe. And last week I was at, uh, the Georgia game, Notre Dame came to, 
came to Sanford Stadium in, in Athens, and it was a heck of a game. And so, I, you know, my life kind of is patterned around some of these big ball games. I can't wait to get out to a USC game. Hopefully they'll win on the road at Washington, and some of these games will become super big down the stretch. But this is, this is not, it's not an easy task to go to Washington and win, so we'll see what happens. Well, man, we got to circle up for, for a ball game live or – sports book uh you know visit in vegas that's right. uh, in transit or something you know so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch my man thanks thank you so much for having me guys thank you josh appreciate it man good luck with everything thanks buddy bye-bye gino let's take our final commercial break and then we'll get to what everybody wants to know is who's going to win on sunday so stay with us we will be right back Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel tune into the revolution with jim and trav this week as the boys chat effective big game calipers and cartridges early season field care over-the-counter public land strategies and some catfishing joining us is stan potts of whitetail explorer and north american whitetail tv eric rice from sticky holsters and our very own kansas Catman cat daddy the revolution's guns and deer discussion is presented by outdoor channel sportsman channel world fishing network and my outdoor tv saturdays at 9 a.m pacific noon eastern on the voice america variety channel Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Yeah, cool to talk a little college because uh, as far as teams that are playing white, uh, well right now, uh, definitely has a, a good grasp on both usc and lsu yeah and you know what just both of us being in the la area now this is obviously a uh, nationwide if not a global sports talk show but where we are we don't really feel a lot of the college football passion out no. here in los angeles and the hype and 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 i think if there was any it was definitely uh, slanted towards you know SC football fans because that was the NFL team here for the mm-hmm. longest time. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if, you know, it's just that like, you know, intersection of them being down 
and the NFL planting two teams here in the last few years that have even tempered things even further. So, yeah, it's it's fun to have these college football conversations. We don't do them enough. And, um, and man, LSU is firing away like we were just talking about. And that three out of four game stretch that they've got is absolutely brutal. Quarterback or no for Florida, it don't matter. That's a brutal three out of four game stretch. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And if they win two out of three, I agree. Especially if that loss is Alabama. I, I think Alabama, they're still right yeah. there. Yeah. They, I like them a lot. I think they could. Be, I know he, he, like, he doesn't want to say they could beat them. They could beat Alabama. He doesn't want to say it because he doesn't want to get too, you know, because he's, he's such an LSU guy and he's easy. Yeah, I just want to be too like much a homer. of a homer and stuff. Yeah, but, but they could beat Alabama. They could. I think it's one of those things also, like, he's, he's rooted into that eight-game losing streak. And it's really hard to say that we're going to finally do it until you finally do. You know what I mean? Like, those streaks are there for a reason, typically. And sometimes I think it gets into your head, you know. Um, sometimes it's almost better to have, like, a like a, all, all the, you know, a bunch of seniors graduate. And then you, you have a bunch of people who really didn't, you know, experience that losing streak themselves. You know what I mean? Where you, you could kind of turn over the roster a little bit in college football, depending on kind of how staggered your, um, you know, classes are. And, um, but man, if you're a senior and you've, you've gone through that process and if you're a veteran team, uh, it's hard to get that out of the, out of your head, especially when you go on the road. Now on the flip side of that, sometimes being on the road alleviates some of that pressure, mm-hmm. you know, um, to perform in front of your home crowd. You just and, go out and play. Uh, you go out and play, and you get that one turnover, and and you start the game, maybe the field goal, and then a turnover, and then there's some momentum, and before you know it, it's like halftime, and it's like ten to seven, one way or another, and you're like, hey, we're in this thing, and then that's when you're like, man, this second half is gonna be epic, so that's kind of what what, I, what I'm hoping for, um, but I don't think it's gonna be ten seven, like Josh said, it's probably gonna be more of a high scoring affair, especially with those quarterbacks airing it out. Definitely a different era in college football, Gino. Well, it's a different era in the NFL right now, Mike, because last week with Kyle Allen and Rosen, there were 20 quarterbacks age 26 or younger that started in week three, the most the NFL has ever had during a weekend. Young yeah, man's there, game. There were nine air raid quarterbacks last week, yep. and I was like, this is crazy. Young man's you know, game. In years past, people would have been like, you know, those are system-type quarterbacks. They're never going to make it in a league, but... Let me, Man, this stuff is uh, it trickles up in the NFL, well, which is kind of a strange thing, isn't it? And, and yeah, let me say, I almost all the time when you have a like a air raid quarterback that's your backup come into the game. When you're down, like I love it because you know, like the one thing I knew immediately when when Minshew came into the game, I know the guy can throw the ball. I've seen him yeah. throw the ball at Washington. Yeah. We Washington saw in the back twelve here. I don't know for, if he's you know. going to be able to, you know. Read the defense. This is what you know. There's there's some things sure. you, you just don't know. But I know one thing: he can complete passes. There are some quarterbacks you put in there that you don't even know if they can complete a pass down the field. And so when you get all like, I, that's what I, I never mind when they come in when when you have one of these players like that that comes into games. I, I was I was pumped for Minshew. Minshew's high, like skyrocketing up the uh, up the rookie of the year um, odds. You know, because, you know that's why uh, you know anybody that's listened to us for the last couple of years knows that I, I put a lot of weight on coaching. Mm-hmm. This is where it comes into play, man. 100%. You, know, you, you can put a, a young quarterback in a position to succeed or not. 
And it sounds overly simplistic, but man, I'll tell you, there's some teams that are just better at it than others, you know, and I'm impressed with what Jacksonville's been able to do with him. They've put him in the position to be able to achieve some success and get some confidence and look at his completion percentage before you know it. He's like, man, this, you know, uh, I, I belong here. And, uh, and, and, and a week later, you got people all over the stadium wearing your mustache. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, no, very good point though. Uh, just in terms of, you know, how these guys can, can air it out. And um, in, in some ways it's made the NFL uh, a more exciting brand from an offensive perspective from a, any team can come back from bigger deficit perspective. I don't know about you, but I don't feel that like any 14 point lead is safe. I know we haven't had any really, really epic comebacks so far this year, but you know that they're going to happen and there's going to be a slew of them. And there's going to be some that come back from really, really big deficits. And it's because of that, right? Where yeah. you're, you're able to air it out and score in, in, in big, um, you know, big chunks pretty, pretty quickly. The only thing that, that, that I, I wish that there was still intact was the ability to have successful onside kicks. You know, some of the things that the NFL has done over the last few years has made it a little bit more difficult to, um, you know, I think it would be cool to see them loosen up some of the rules on that, you know, but I understand them, right. You don't want, you don't want people crashing into guys and giving concussions, uh, you know, because it, in a way it is kind of a, a, a barbaric, um, you know, it's almost like an Oklahoma drill, you know, you just, it just, it, it can be a little bit cringeworthy when you have people running full speed of guys and those others, you know, I don't know. I, you, you got what I'm saying, but anyways, you know, let's handicap. Yeah. Let's get into the, the, the games. There are two for me this week that I'm going to play. And, um, I, I actually really like both of these games and they're both at the numbers that I, I was hoping they would get to the first one. Uh, I'm playing Buffalo at home against the Patriots. I think they can win this game straight up. I really do. They're plus seven. You might be able to get seven and a half some places if you look around. Um, Buffalo is three and zero now, and and last week they were up fourteen nothing, and I think they were kind of looking a- ahead to this game a little bit. You know, for Buffalo, they circled this game on their calendar. This is the biggest game of the year. Now this team is three and zero when the Patriots come to town. That crowd is going to be absolutely insane there in Buffalo, and. What I'm like, what I'm doing with a lot in a lot of these situations now, I'm looking at p- t- playing teams after they play games against the Jets and the Dolphins because I think those two teams are so bad right now. We've seen in in both of the first two weeks where Baltimore played the Dolphins and then they didn't cover week two. The Patriots played the Dolphins and then they didn't cover in week three. So I think you you play them and then you get kind of a, a false sense of what an NFL team really is. So that's another thing I'm looking at. So I'm going to go with. Buffalo plus the seven here. And when you look at any of these trends, Mike, all of these trends are for both of the teams I'm playing are so bad against Buffalo. This just isn't the same Buffalo team. This is a better Buffalo team than they've been for the last, you know, 10, 15 years where they just get the their butts kicked every year by New England. I think they can win this game. They've have allowed less than 400 total yards in 15 straight games. That's a trend I, I or that's a number I don't mind because that's a lot of the same players here. That's the same deep. That's a lot of the same defense. We're not talking about games that were six, seven, and eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, look, 
I think a big part of handicapping is trying to figure out when, when, when to discard certain trends, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we even see it in horse racing. You know, a couple of years ago, you know, if you you know, uh, no unraced horse as a two year old and all that kind of. Stuff. You have to kind of make a decision and say, you know what? I think this is this is where that trend, um, it, why it doesn't apply, mm-hmm. or why this team can can buck that trend. And I, I tend to agree agree with you on everything that you're saying. And kind of to add to that. I did find it very interesting that I heard something that I don't, I personally haven't heard before. Um, maybe you have, or perhaps it's been uttered and I just missed it. But I never really heard about, you know, Brady taking these breaks at practice because of age. Yeah. You know, he got and, hit. He got hit. Lot. That's why they had to get. They they signed another quarterback uh, just so they could have two quarterbacks in practice. Uh, they signed Cody Kessler to be an extra yeah. quarterback, and I think because Stidham didn't look very good when they put him in, he threw a pick six right away. Uh, but this is what scares me with a lot of the Patriots fans who and and people who are just convinced the Patriots are going to make the Super Bowl. This is what happened with already. We saw with Roethlisberger this year, Andrew Brees. It's that when when an injury comes up, they're going to come up at some point, and it's going to be harder to recover. And I don't know, like Brady got hit a couple times last week too, and then and he, that was like the, one of the first times I've seen him get hit this year. So I, you know, I'm the the receivers Edelman and Gordon are a little bit banged up, um, and the Bills have a very good secondary. This is just a game for the Patriots, and this is the game for the Bills. And I think the Bills are going to keep this game close. And, and if you can get the seven and a half, great. But we'll make the line. We'll take it at seven. That's that's great. I like the Bills here a lot. And then my second game, Mike. I know we, get, we only have a few minutes. I'll be quicker on this one. Uh, I'm going to go Cleveland plus seven at the Ravens. Almost the same type of thing. The Ravens have been beating up on Cleveland for a long time. You know, you watch the Ravens game last week. Lamar got away with two just huck em up throws that went that could have very yeah. easily been interceptions yeah. and bad plays, and that changed the the whole score of that game. Oh, it yeah. made it look a lot better than it really was. Oh, yeah, because I thought Kansas City had that game in hand. Oh, they did. They really I did. For one second, I didn't think that they were going to lose that no, game. No, not at all. And then th- on the opposite, Cleveland played very, very well against the Rams. People are, you know, they coaching-wise, they didn't look good, and their play calling didn't look great, and Baker maybe struggled, but their defense played really well. And overall, they had the ball driving with a chance to tie the game against the team that was just in the Super Bowl. I, I don't think they played that poor. And I think this game should be more like five where it opened up than the seven that you're getting right now. So the two plays for me this week, Buffalo plus the seven and Cleveland plus the seven. Interesting. Okay. Well, really quickly, one guy on the Baltimore Ravens that's really impressed me is uh, Patrick Ricard, number 42. He's a third-year player out of Maine. It was an undrafted free agent. And this guy's not only made the roster, but he is a fullback and also getting snaps on the D-line. The guy played in 11 offensive plays. He has 18 defensive plays. And when you actually watch the film, the guy's like doing his thing, man. He's He's balling out. He's not just filling a space. No, No. not at all, man. This guy's like a contributor. So I always love to to kind of point out the fullbacks and the long snappers and, you know, the the real nasty linemen. Those are the guys that I really get into. But, uh, okay, quick picks. I think you mentioned you mentioned the the Panthers rookie quarterback and having a you know a, a pretty uh, you know didn't embarrass himself right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard to do that two weeks in a row sure, as a rookie, film. and I think this is going to be the weekend where because I've not been impressed with the Texans in any way, shape, or form this year. I think this is a game that's kind of a a must. I'm not going to necessarily say must win. I'm going to actually maybe say, take right. a step further and say a must. Uh, impress 
type game. So I'm looking at the, the Texans at home. I think they're a little bit undervalued in this spot. I think that they're going to win big at home. And uh, my second game is team that surprised and performed really well, the Detroit Lions. And I know they're going up against the Chiefs, but what have we seen from the Lions the last couple of years, Gino? When they faced the best, the Rams, the Patriots, they figured out a way to keep that game close, make it interesting, or flat out win. So I'm going to take the Lions at home. I'm going to take the Texans at home. Two plays. Uh, everything positive. I'm here about the Lions. I know we got to get going quick, but two plays for the both of us. Yeah, Buffalo and Cleveland for me, both plus the seven. And the Lions line, line is, uh, I believe, six and a half. You're getting six and a half at home, and we are looking yeah. at uh, four, yeah, six and a half minus at four on the Texans. So there you guys have it. Thank you for listening, as always. Thank you to Josh Booty. Have a fantastic sports weekend. We'll be here same time, same place next Thursday. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.